you're listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast, which candidly celebrates the messy and iconic parts of our teenage years and our bodies. From juggling changing friendship groups, dealing with first heartbreaks, and waking up to changing body parts, our teenage years are filled with the most defining and often cringeworthy moments of our lives. Luckily, we're not alone. Moddy Body Red is the sustainable, easy to use period underwear for tweens and teens. It gives us the best protection against period leaks and stains, so we can ditch the pads and get on with living our best lives. I'm Sasha Meany, your host, and every fortnight I'll be joined by a young Aussie who isn't afraid to open up about the all too relatable moments from their teenage years and how they lived to tell the tale. Spoiler alert, make sure you listen to the very end of each podcast as we'll share with you our special Moddy Body discount code. Grief is something we all experience. It's one of the most universal human experiences. We've seen it in movies when Simba cries for Mufasa in The Lion King, when Carl mourns for Ellie and Up, and when Juliet sobs for Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. While it is a universal experience, grief is also something incredibly personal. We all grieve in different ways. We cry, we don't cry, we get angry, we feel confused, we struggle to accept it but eventually we find a way. Grief also shows up when we might not expect it, and it's not always related to the loss of a person. Yes, we do grieve people, but we can also grieve places, lost time, past versions of ourselves that we no longer identify with. To feel grief is to have known love for a person, for a place, for an experience. Today, we're joined by Amanzi Lawrence, who is sharing her first experience with grief how it shows up for her today in her professional and personal life, and what we can do about it when it shows up for us too. Welcome to the podcast, Amanzi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And you're here today to chat to us about grief. So I think we can agree that grief and grieving is like, it's so many different things to different people. It can be a completely different experience to everyone. What do you think about it? Like what what is your experience or um, immediate experience of grief? Yeah, totally. I think it's such a huge, as you said, it's a huge concept and it's just huge when you're going through it. Like it's such a big thing. I guess to me, um, grief is the experience or the feeling of sorrow or like just darkness um, felt after a loss. Um, And it can manifest in lots of different ways in our brains, our bodies. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a loss doesn't have to be a death. Mm. Um, It could be any loss. You can feel grief after any loss. Mm. Yeah. And what was your first encounter or experience of grief? Yeah. So I guess my first like feeling of tangibly experiencing grief was after um, the passing of my high school drama teacher. So, yeah, so I knew her from when I was in year nine, so when I was about 14, um, and I had her for a few years then, but she actually passed away when I was in uni. So I hadn't seen her for like two or three years, but I still remember feeling such a tangible grief when, um, yeah, fellow classmate rang me up and informed me that she'd passed away. Um, yeah, so that was my first real experience of, of grieving. Yeah. Mm. How what was your immediate response? Mm. I just remember just such a drop in my stomach and mm. it was just, it was just really hard. Like just, yeah, such a feeling of just a real immense sadness. And because 
like I'd known her as a teacher and also a person and she was such an incredible person and touched so many lives. Um, I also knew she had a husband and a, and a young son. So I think that really impacted as well because it was just, yeah, there's just this immense sadness um, of someone, I guess, taken too soon. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel strange? Like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, with something like that where this person means a lot to you, but you don't get to necessarily spend quantity of time with them, mm. like because they're your teacher or they're they're only in your moment for like a brief but meaningful period. Mm. Did it feel strange to mourn or like to grieve someone who, you know, wasn't in your day-to-day? Yeah, yeah. And and like I say, I was in uni. So mm. it was, you know, five years after I'd been spending, you know, whatever, weekly lessons with her. So it does feel strange to a degree. And I think that's where like you know, those thoughts of like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be so sad because I didn't have the same, yeah. you know, length of time as, as her husband, her son, her friends, but it's still valid. It was, you know, it's still a valid experience. Mm. Um, and, you know, like her memorial and her funeral was completely packed out as well. Um, and like a lot of other fellow students went as well. So I guess that kind of helped in us all feeling the same way. And I guess it just went to show how many lives she did touch. Yeah. So my first experience of grief was somebody like uh, somebody that I literally only knew for four days Mm. right and then after the fact um you know we had like a couple conversations online just because they lived overseas Mm. and when they passed I remember just thinking Mm. what (laughs) it was like I was just like everything like like that sinking feeling that you Mm. described absolutely it's like Mm. that like something's about to fall my legs are about to give way that kind of feeling yeah Uh, and it's strange when when something like that happens, particularly with the loss of a person, which is not the only form of grief, but mm, like, mm. you know, one, seeing everybody else's reactions mm. as well, it's yeah. like it can feel quite overwhelming to yeah. be like I think part of it is just contemplating how how much one person can mm. do and mean to a mm. person. Yeah, totally. Did you, like, with the going to the memorial service and stuff, mm. was there, like, some anxiety going up into it or mm. or was it good? Was it fine to go? Yeah, I think it was fine. So I went with a friend, um, a close friend from high school, and her older brother um, who was, like, significantly older than us, but he'd had this teacher as well. Mm. So he drove us there and then we saw other classmates. So it was okay, but I just remember it was just awful. Like, yeah. it was just so hard. Um yeah. How did it manifest in your body? Oh, I often like to say, like, yeah. where do you, like, point to where you're feeling it, like, mm. when you're thinking about a feeling, but, like, how did it manifest in your... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stomach, just, yeah, funny stomach and, and just those, you know, like, your ins- insides are tangled and butterflies and maybe feeling sick. Like, I feel quite sick in my stomach when I feel anxious. So yeah. that and just, yeah, tears, lots yeah. and lots of tears. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. mm. it can be, like... It can be nothing at first and then mm. all of a sudden, all at once. Mm. I often find that, like, when I'm upset or grieving, like, there is there is no tears and then I'm frustrated that there's no tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. cry about not crying, oh, which is totally. the stupidest yeah. thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of process do you think grief is? Like, do you think it's something that you you can come out of or do you think you mm. learn to live with it? Yeah, I think I've seen it explained in so many ways. There's Mm. so many different metaphors and images and everything. I think for one thing, it's not linear. Yeah. Um, You know, 
some people like to kind of hold on to the the five stages and if that works for how you grieve, then that's okay. I think it's definitely not linear and something that um, my sister has said is that there's no rules to grief. Mm. Um, and so I think that it, it can be always there, but it doesn't have to be always in the forefront mm. of your mind. And for a time it, it probably is and, and maybe it is, you know, always in the forefront, but for some people it might kind of float to the background. Some people it might, you know, they might either live with it or they, they might kind of, I guess, come for it to go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But definitely not linear, I would yeah. say. Yeah. And um, since then, I mean, as you grow, like there's always going to be further experiences of mm. loss. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't end. Yeah. Um, have you developed any coping strategies for yourself Mm. and, um, when you, when you encounter something like that, that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so a big value of mine is communication Mm. and that's actually, it's a value and it's a coping strategy. So kind of walking in the door and just inform, like, you know, best offenses, good defense or whatever, like just informing the other person, Hey, I'm feeling you know, I'm feeling fragile today. I could not agree more. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. You need to love me a little extra today. Yes. Like, hey, I'm feeling really keyed up or I'm feeling really annoyed and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, you know, or even like, hey, I don't think I slept well. You know, just I think those little things. always great to start with, I'm feeling this yes. rather than like, rather than anything ex- accusatory yeah. or like, or it boiling up and boiling over and turning into an argument with another person. Exactly. Just being like, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't yeah. handle this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. And yeah, I need a little bit extra love. I need some TLC. Um, now, you know, now we can both kind of move on. So that, I guess, yeah, communication, definitely a coping strategy. I guess when I feel like I need to recharge or yeah, I'm just feeling a bit blah. I mean, my kind of go-to coping strategy is like sofa, blanket and either like YouTubes, just mindless YouTubes or just whatever TV show, Downton Abbey, love a period drama. I love (laughs) Downton Abbey. (laughs) And something that I've found in the last few years that's really helped is because I used to shy away from crying in front of people. I felt very uncomfortable. So to kind of get it out of my system, for want of a better word, put on a really sad movie, one that I know will make me cry, get that out of my system and just have a good cleansing cry. I definitely recommend that. hadn't cried in so long and then I think in the last week I've (laughs) cried like four or five times and it's weird how like tears, like they're not, tears are not sadness. Yeah. Like tears is emotion that has boiled over in yep. any which way, like whether yes. it be happiness, sadness, whatever. Oh, if you're arguing and you start crying. Oh, oh. arguing and crying is the it's worst. The worst. <laughs> because it's like, I'm trying so hard to I be strong. I am angry. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Have- I was thinking to myself constantly like bad things would be happening or mm. I would experience something like a breakup or something mm. like that and I'd be like, why am I not sad? Yeah. Why am I not crying? I have all these feelings totally, and it needs to come up. And then yes. this week, I mean, everybody has already heard about it because I've told, I won't shut up about it, but I ruined a laptop oh. and I, it's just been nonstop tears. Yeah. And, you know, Obviously, there were things that have been inside me that I haven't been able to 
I mean, at the time, it just wasn't maybe appropriate for me to cry mm. or maybe, like, I was just trying to march on mm. and so then something happens and it's just like, Bleh. Oh, totally. I had the world's biggest breakdown last Thursday watching an episode of Sex Education. <laughs> and I won't spoil it, but it's episode five, season one. We're not even that far into it. Yeah. And something really awful happened to one of my favourite characters. And the phrase burst into tears has yeah. never been so accurate. But there, And my husband was like... I feel, I feel like there's more behind this. And I was like, no, it's just the show. But, like, yeah, as you say, there's definitely a lot boiling over. I, just thinking about it, I watched, I've only just started watching New Girl and the uh, other day I watched this episode and I don't care about spoilers. Cece no, and no. Schmidt got engaged. Oh, and I have sent a video and I will show it afterwards of just me, like, in tears being like, I'm not strong enough for this right now. Like, it is a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, just when things like when your body reacts in a certain way, not trying to hold oh, it back, like yeah. letting it just yeah come out of your system yep. Yep. in some way or form. Yep. So you've got two tips. You've got communication, mm. you get putting on a sad movie and yep. crying. Get it out. Anything, any other great tips? Um, I mean, like reach, I mean, I'm an extrovert. So everyone knows what's going through my head. Right. I told seven people about, I cried for 45 minutes last Thursday and so many of my friends and family heard about it. I think I sent a <laughs> Snapchat of me crying to my sisters. Like, so I That's think, such a thing that you do with your oh, siblings. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, look at these puffy eyes. Um, but, yeah, like just reach out. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it kind of falls under the communication banner, but, but reach out. Mm. Um, that's just, yeah, couldn't recommend that enough. And, and yeah, you, your, your work, mm. if you want to explain it a little bit, you yeah. do, well, when I met you, you started in social work. Yes. 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 I'm still in social work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I work in foster care. I'm a foster care case manager. Wow. So yeah. So it means that I guess grief and loss are kind of part and parcel because I work with, um, parents who've had their children removed from their care. And yeah. For safety. Um, so I work with children, I work with parents and families and I work with foster carers and adoptive parents. What's yeah. it like in those situations? Cause you strike mm. me as somebody who's quite empathetic, <sighs> not like trying to mediate as mm. opposed to feel things with them or for yeah, them. Totally. Yeah. You, you actually hit the nail on the head. A lot of people ask me when, they, they find out I'm in social work. It's, oh my gosh, isn't that so sad? And how do you switch off and, mm. and go home? And my answer to that is, well, like I'm human. Yeah. I, can, I still feel things. Um, and yeah, as long as you're not letting the emotion, I guess, get in the way. So, you know, I have hard conversations all the time. So I might be having a conversation with a foster carer who's infertile, a child whose placement's just broken down and I'm telling them, hey, you're going to a new home tonight. Or a parent, um, you know, who's expressing frustration at the system. Um, and I guess it's just a matter of sitting in like stay with the emotion, yeah. sit in the emotion. Um, you know, I don't say things like I understand because I could never, never, never understand the yes. world of pain they are in. Um, but just sitting there and not running away. So not, and that, uh, and, but when I say run away, I mean changing the subject or bringing something up or saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, but just really, really being there. Silence is huge. Mm. Never underestimate the importance of silence. I think we always feel the need to fill the silence and rush to say something. Yeah. But just sitting there and kind of for once a better word, just like holding that with them. And yeah, and I think, and you know, I use it in like personal and professional context. So sometimes if I'm having a hard conversation with someone personally, I might stop and just be like, 
are you feeling uncomfortable? Yeah. And they was, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, me too. It's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay. You yeah. know, just just sit, sit with it. Yeah. That's like an amazing skill and I completely agree. I don't know why it came up when I was younger, but I remember my mm. grandma saying to me that when she was a little girl, her best friend's father passed away and she was like, you know, everybody was kind of coddling her friend mm. and, like, trying to help. My grandma is an emotional person. Yeah. But she's a very strong person. Like, mm. it's not in her instinct to cry with or for somebody. Mm. She just kind of sat next to her friend apparently and was like, I could not understand. Yeah. Like, I, I, will, I won't be able to understand, but please, like, tell me. Like, yeah. help me try to or, yeah. like, or ask, like, let me know what I can do kind yeah. of thing and saying it in such a straightforward way I think mm. was really helpful mm. um and I've definitely you know being on the other end as I'm sure you have been at any point in time hearing somebody say your situation is extraordinary like mm. not extraordinary in a good way but like yeah. particular and specific to you and I would never understand yeah help me understand yeah is it just it kind of lets you like exhale mm. I would say and mm. like breathe into it yeah lean lean into it but yeah no it's true with that silence yeah. and thing empowers as well. them a little bit as well yeah. yeah you're right actually I am in a world of pain that you might never understand and you know and like for me as well because like I'm a case manager so there's an inherent power imbalance in every conversation every interaction that I'll have and so you know knowing that I can't always be nice, but I can always be kind. And mm. what I mean by that is that decisions are made either by me as a case manager, by management, um, that people are going to be unhappy with. And those decisions aren't nice, but I can be kind in the way that we implement them. Mm. Um, yeah. How mm. have you grown into that role? Mm. Like, was that hard when you first started? Do you feel more competent now? Or mm. do you think like certain people are born great caseworkers? <laughs> uh, I think you definitely, it's a job where you don't stop learning mm. um, and you learn about yourself and you learn about other people. Um, a big learning curve for me is that I can't make everyone happy. I yeah. can't make anyone actually completely happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like no amount of bubble baths or you know, yoga I do or water is, or any form of quote unquote self-care is going to fix the fact that I'm working in a system of injustice mm. and, you know, and that comes with domestic violence and, and abuse and neglect and, and intergenerational trauma. Um, so I think even just kind of stepping back and realizing that is a big thing to start with. Um, yeah. And just those skills grow when the, you know, the more conversations you have, like the more times I'm on the phone to someone who's yelling at me and effing and blinding and then, you know, realize, okay, how could I have handled that better? What did I feel in my body there? What were they feeling in their body there? Mm. How could I have prepared them for, you know, the decision that was going to be made or, or something like that or what I was going to say? Like how can we walk together in this pain, mm. you know, and how can I support them in that? Mm. And with that I know that somebody's already said that oh how do you do that because it hurts so much and I and I think what's really admirable and I hope as well in my future is that you need people there like mm, it's going to be a shit system regardless totally. and you need to have people there and it, you know it's yeah it can feel hard but mm. if you're feeling capable enough to do so yeah like it's such an important role mm. how do you kind of show up for somebody else mm. and then after that show up for yourself and take care of like the aftermath of you helping another person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah. So let's say, for example, it's going to be a conversation that's hard or I'm about to go into a visit that I know, like a, a contact visit, it's going to be stressful. I will try as best I can to prepare mm. um, for the other person. And that means that I think about where where are they now? Um you know, how might they be feeling, you know, for example, like calling a birth parent and saying, Hey, so in our last conversation, you were quite upset. I'm wondering how I can best support you to make it a nice visit for child. Yeah. So if you're feeling upset, what can I do to support you? How about we come up with a plan? So Mm -hmm. how about you walk away, have a cigarette, you know, whatever. Um, if you really need to end the visit, you tell me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of giving them permission and space to, yes, I know you're upset and, and it's going to be hard, but we can still make it, you know, a nice visit or something like that. So yeah, like thinking about how, how can I support them? And then yeah, afterwards, so myself, just little, little rituals. So for example, I have a playlist um, of songs that I just love singing. So mm. yeah, including Misery, Misery Business. Business. <laughs> yep. um, what else? I don't know. There's everything on there. There's Broadway, there's yeah, like alternate, you know, those early 2000s pop rock, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of Paramore. There's a lot of Fuller Boy, um, <laughs> Zombie by the Cranberries. So uh, that's a little ritual. And, um, you know, if it's going to be a big week um, with a lot of visits, I'll try and just make sure I recharge myself. So for me, I really keep an eye on my sleep, mm. um, my appetite. If I haven't eaten that day, that's a red flag for me. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Why haven't I felt like I'm eating? Stress or, or whatever. Um, really making sure. And like I say, I'm an extrovert. So putting in, you know, time with friends yeah. and family. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And do you think helping other people with their hard points in mm. life mm. has helped you be kinder to yourself in your hard points of life? Or do you think helping others has helped you understand yourself in mm. those moments? Or Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I think it's definitely taught me a lot about how grief can manifest and how grief and loss can manifest and that feelings are okay. Mm. And, you know, in the same way that I'll tell someone, you know, your feelings are valid and you need to take care of yourself. It's so simple, but actually allowing myself space to do that for me, you know, because yeah, you can't, you cannot do it all. You actually cannot. And that was something I learned the hard way in my first year of work. Mm. Um, I got recommended to take a week of stress leave (laughs) (laughs) and now like paying really close attention to what's my stress cues in my body and and my brain and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I need to ask you so many more questions (laughs) because I think like it's so all good and well to be like be kind to yourself mm, and, but to actually mm-hmm. do it mm. is work and yeah, it that really work is. is exhausting yeah and the fact that you're doing that for yourself as mm. well as for other people I'm like I just need to know everything that you've ever done in your life so that I can figure out like yeah. even a like, tiny little bit of mine yeah <laughs> it's look it's the non-glamorous self-care yeah you know like on Instagram it's the bubble baths and, and that's great like and yoga and facials and whatever whatever and that's great Um, but sometimes it's, you know, like doing chores on a Friday night so that on a Sunday I can watch Downtown Abbey or, you know, it's like thinking back over the past month. Wow. Have I eaten a square meal, you know, in the past month? Hmm. I haven't actually, I probably need to take some days off unpaid, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's like the fight you have with your partner because you walked in the door feeling head up and keyed up and angry and they don't know why. And then you have a big fight and you say, yeah, it's because I'm feeling really awful today. Well, why didn't you tell me that? You know, it's the non-glamorous bits that are really important. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like I said, I wish I could have you here for so much longer. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much. No, thanks. The more traditional grieving process follows five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, sadness and acceptance. While that may be helpful for some people, it can feel like a lot. And five stages may seem overwhelming. Plus, not everybody feels all those stages in the exact same order. Grief comes and it goes and it shows up in peculiar ways. So let's simplify the grieving process down to just two steps, acknowledgement and compassion. These two stages work whether you're the one experiencing grief or if someone in your life is experiencing it and you want to show up for them. First, acknowledgement. Recognize that you are grieving, even if it doesn't look like how you thought it might. Maybe you're crying or maybe you haven't shed a single tear, both are normal responses. Recognizing that you've experienced a loss in some way helps you navigate life in the aftermath. You can acknowledge things might be hard for a little while, that you may have unpredictable emotions or reactions. Pause and ask yourself questions. How are you feeling today? Or are you feeling uncomfortable right now? Avoid minimizing your experience or pretending it doesn't exist. Try to get comfortable with expressing how you're feeling, even if it is just to yourself. Next, compassion. Once you've acknowledged your grief, your emotions and your challenges, all those of the people around you, it's time to practice kindness and compassion. Avoid being hard on yourself and give yourself time and space to feel and heal. What you're experiencing is challenging, so being kind to yourself will help you process whatever emotion you're feeling or not feeling. Everything in life feels so prescribed. You have a problem, here is the solution. But when it comes to grief, there are no rules. You have to do what you can to get through. Lie on the couch, drink chocolate milk, text a friend, hug a pillow, turn off your phone. All you can do is listen to your mind and your body and give yourself permission to just be. Thanks for listening to The Red Tales, the Muddy Body Red podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in to today's episode, related a bit too much to the story, or learned something new, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. If you're curious about our underwear and you'd love to give it a try, head to our website and use our exclusive code REDTAILS15 for 15% off. You can even join the Red Squad by signing up on our website to receive exclusive VIP offers. Lastly, to keep up with all things red, make sure to follow us on Instagram at modibody underscore red. Remember, life is messy, but your period doesn't have to be.